from 80,000 a month to 775,000 in the space of, I think it was around 18 months to two years. It was a huge level of growth, 10x in our monthly revenues. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. I'm excited to be joined today by Callum Collins. Callum has been in recruitment for close to 10 years, having joined the industry straight out of university. He joined GE Partners as a graduate trainee, and within six and a half years, he was the managing director and partner of a 30 employee executive search firm. GE Partners are a boutique organization with a number of specialist practice areas, including pharmaceuticals and biotech, medical devices, logistics supply chain, commercial construction, civil engineering, and energy and renewables. Callum is also board director and shareholder of AGS Associates and Baybridge, which were both spinoffs of GE Partners back in January of 2022. When Callum took over as managing director in just two and a half years, he was able to grow the company from eight people generating about a million dollars in revenue to 30 people as it is today generating six million dollars. Callum, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Mark. I'm excited. It's good, good to be here. Thank you. Brilliant. So we, I know we connected and corresponded on LinkedIn, but how did you originally come across me? Me and yeah, I've been listening to the podcast for, for quite some time. And um, actually, a few people in my office uh, said they had been listening to it and I caught, caught attention from it from there and listened to a few of the uh, initial episodes and um, just really insightful. And it's exactly what everybody goes through the same thing. Sometimes you can be in recruitment and feel like it's only you going through it, but it's great to hear that other people are having the same struggles or uh, and it's good to hear what some of the people's uh, remedies are for the struggles that we're going through as well and trying to implement them into what I'm doing or what the team are doing on a day day-to-day basis. So uh, yeah, I just found it really insightful and uh, actually got a few of the other uh, members of my team to listen to it as well. And they found it uh, really helpful. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. Um, So look, can you maybe tell your story? Let's start with, I'm going to call this chapter one, uh, summarize your journey from grad to managing director. So like the first sort of six and a half years, because that's a very rapid progression Um, can you talk, like, talk me through your initial early days in recruiting yeah, and how absolutely. that evolved? Absolutely. So yeah, similar to, I think, I guess a lot of people, when you leave university, um, finished up my degree and still had no idea what I wanted to go into, to be honest, and kind of always been, um, entrepreneurial, always been that sale, uh, salesman mindset really throughout my whole life and um, really sort of pushed myself towards looking at sales uh, roles and as well as recruitment uh, positions and um, came straight out of university, interviewed for, for a number of both of them uh, sales and recruitment type opportunities and really felt that recruitment was a better fit for me um, just due to I'm, a, I'm a quite a people person. I love being around people and um, interviewed for a number of companies and GE partners, um, Richard Goodall um, and uh, Terry Ellis, who basically been my mentors ever since and um they they gave me the opportunity to come in as a, as a trainee graduate and um to start a brand new market logistics and supply chain and it was a, somewhere where i had no idea really what logistics and supply chain was but i did a lot of research into it obviously anyone knows that when you're in the recruitment game that you need to be an expert in the field that you're working in to be successful and um so i kind of doubled down in uh, my knowledge of um learning about the market in my own time and quite quickly um, found my feet. And uh, I'd probably say it's fair to say my first full year in recruitment, I was probably an average to good recruiter. Um, It was only really in my second year where I found my feet and uh, and, uh, really the the whole game changed for me because I started to get some repeat clients, some good uh, some of the top players in the logistics world um the the household names dhls agilities of the world which were came accounts to me which was was brilliant and then um started to build out a team hired uh, a couple of great people that came in and joined the team and really added um very quickly and found their feet very quickly um probably quicker than what i did initially um and then uh, yeah it gave me the opportunity where i became the top performer the top uh, contributor in a small business but by all means but um quickly over- overtook people that have been in the business for four or five years um and at this point i'd only been in the business for probably two years and was quickly out billing those guys even with them having the more experience and a quicker and a larger i guess client portfolio um, and then become managing people in other teams and other sectors. So, and then I become a divisional manager where I was managing two uh, two different sectors. So I was managing life sciences as well as managing logistics. Um, but I was only focused on um, obviously billing within, within my network in um, logistics. And then um, just before COVID really hit in 2019, um, there was a shift within the business where one of the key leaders at that point. Um, 
spun off to, to, to start a new organization and uh, it left the, the managing director position open and I remember really going to, to uh, Richard uh, Richard Goodall um, who's a CEO at that point and uh, went up to him and said listen I think I'm ready uh, I think I'm ready to, to take the leap and um, he, he believed in me and that's probably the best way to put it and uh, gave me the opportunity and um, then the rest has been has been history from there and we can come on to talk about more of the decisions that were made once I become managing director but that was really it it was uh really focusing on my own billings growing out my team getting my guys to be as good if not better performers than me um that's obviously the name of the game when you're a manager um and then it comes to a point of being ready and um given being given the, the opportunity and grabbing it with both hands amazing I love that so uh, there's a lot to unpack there so first of all you mentioned first to the second year. First year, we were sort of average to good. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can totally relate to that. It actually took me, um, I'd say, three years before I actually yeah. knew what I was doing even. And, yeah. and even then, like looking back, I still knew nothing really in the, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But um, I'd say my apprenticeship, so to speak, to go from, you know, just kind of hitting my target and 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 kind of no more to being a top producer was really a, a three-year journey yeah what um what was the key difference between year one and year two where things really started to click for you i think you're just understanding the process i mean when you come into recruitment with no prior experience to it sometimes i feel like i always say to people in my team that a mistake's not a, a bad thing as long as you learn from it and i think in my first um full year i was making number of mistakes, but I was always learning from them. So every time, every new process I got my hands on, I was getting better and better and better. And, and to the point where I would, uh, was successful in uh, placing a couple of level, big level executives with, um, one of the leading firms in the logistics space. And, um, they just kept giving me more and more opportunities because I was doing a good job for them. And then that account really grew quite quickly. And, um, before I knew it, I was almost didn't have enough time to fill all the vacancies they were providing me, which obviously is fantastic. And that's really where I was able to hire a team around a couple of accounts. And, um, we got, uh, a good run of growth there from from a couple of those businesses. So um, yeah, it was just trusting the process. I feel like was probably the, my biggest um, route to success there. Mm, okay, great. So good takeaways there. So one, trusting the process. Two, is learning from mistakes and not being afraid to make those mistakes. You yeah. mentioned also that you really threw yourself into like trying to learn everything you could about the industry yeah. that you were serving. And even in your own time, you were wanting to become a real expert, subject matter expert in yeah. that space. And Finally, and importantly, you were able to win some good accounts and one in particular that became a, a really big repeat yep. uh, account for you, which makes all the difference. If you Huge. can, you know, break into those kind of um, pillar accounts that are going to support you as you, you know, you build out your business, then Absolutely. that uh, that makes all the difference. So I think for listeners, you know, the, the takeaway here, if you're early on in your recruiting career. Yeah. Because a lot of people drop out in their first year and they don't yeah. make it past that. And obviously the first year of anything is going to be the hardest, right? Yeah. And the more you, if you, if you go into that, in, into recruitment with the mindset that you know, this yeah. is not easy. This is going to be tough. There's going to yeah. be a learning curve. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rejection, disappointment, setbacks. Um, and, you know, but if you know that going in yeah. and you know that, things do get easier over time. You build Absolutely. your network, you build your client base, you build your market knowledge, things, it never gets easy, you know, so realistically, yeah. but it gets easier yeah. that hopefully that, you know, cause it's just such a shame if people drop out when they could have been so close, like maybe yeah. the next call or the next month could have been yeah. their their breakthrough if they'd uh, had that tenacity and resilience to and really I think stick that's, with it. That's something that you may agree or disagree. I think it's probably a, a controversial point as such that I think people are either born with that tenacity. It's really hard for somebody to build and create a tenacity. I, I, I feel like a lot of recruiters that um, come into um, this industry is, and like you say, it's such a shame that so many people do drop out after the, the six to eight month mark is probably mm -hmm. um, that sort of time frame. But um, if you just stuck in there a little bit longer, you may get that that break and then you you start to realize what this is um, the, the process is all about. But um, I do believe uh, myself that people either have that tenacity um, to be successful in recruitment. And and uh, I think it's quite hard to, to learn that tenacity. I think it does kind of come quite naturally to a lot of people that, have, that I've seen that have been successful in the space anyway. I'm not saying it's impossible, but uh, I do think that uh, that tenacity needs to be within you uh, when you come into this industry. 
Mm. I, it's interesting. I might frame it a little differently, Callum. I might say that it definitely has to come from within that individual. Mm-hmm. It's not something that a manager or business owner can give to exactly. somebody, yeah. right? It yeah. has to, like external motivating factors only take you so far, really. Absolutely. People's success is down to them and they have to have that drive internally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but having said that, I do think it's something that, I don't think it's something you're born with like innately from birth. I, th- yeah. I do think obviously your experiences growing up and, and everything shapes who yep. you are, but I do think that you can develop and enhance, you know, your own uh, levels of desire, motivation, resilience. There's definitely things you can do to to build, yeah, build on that. But it 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 has to be self directed. It's not something Absolutely. anybody can do for you. Absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. So then you you got an opportunity to hire your first couple of people. Um, and then you did well with that. So then you started managing two divisions. Talk me through those early experiences as a manager, going from a biller to a billing yeah. manager, because that transition yeah. is tough because now you've got to maintain your own billings and be a role model, right? Yeah. And be someone that others are emulating, yeah. which is pressure, right? Because you have to stay at the yeah. towards the top of the leaderboard. But at the same time, you now have a whole bunch of time which is absorbed in you know, mentoring and onboarding people and coaching and nurturing them so that they get up to speed. How did you successfully make that transition? And I think that comes back to what we spoke about before, Mark. I think I was quite lucky in a, in a situation where the, I'd grown these accounts very well and it, it made it an easy transition to bring people in to work straight, and, uh, straight on live accounts and live roles because sometimes right. the transition can be you bring people in and um, they haven't got enough on their desk to, to keep them busy and to keep them riding mm-hmm. fees pretty quickly. And with me, because I had the accounts that I had, I was quite fortunate to be able to, to offload those accounts almost to the guys that were coming in and I would go out and find new accounts. And that was kind of how I structured it so um to get them to find their feet i would get them focusing on the live accounts and um i was focusing on more of the bd and going to find another big account that we could continue to do that same model of growth so um in all transparency i found that transition easier than some um purely because i had that backup and uh, foundation behind me um but i think uh, as you mentioned and, and you're right there and it's a really hard transition because it's time organization as well which is tough because you go so used to just worrying all about yourself and um it's then making sure that you're doing there is necessary training the necessary support um and fitting that into your day as well as as you rightly say continuing to keep your clients happy and writing the fees so you can stay at the leaderboard um, yourself so um but i was very fortunate as well that we we bought in people that were fantastic. Um, the people we, we bought in are still with us to this day and um, and have been very, very successful with us. And actually, one of my, my first hire I ever made has been the top biller for our business for the last two years running. So uh, he's, done a, a, he's done a fantastic job. And, um, and uh, again, like I said, that's really where the transition for me happened. And then learning about another market, which I'll come on to in a moment, that more so happened just after I become managing director. But I was helping mm-hmm. uh, manage um, a different team uh, within, uh, within that period of time. And uh, it was difficult because managing people in a market where I'm not as specialized as what I um, knew within logistics was was tough. But it was still the same processes of um, of recruitment and, again, managing people through that and understanding how to get from from A to, um, a to Z. So, uh, yeah, it was a tough time, but uh, I love it. I love managing people and I love seeing people be successful. So it's a part of the, the job that I love. I can tell you worked the U.S. market because you said Z instead of Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, it's rubbing off. Listen, so that makes total sense. So you were able to make that transition because you had plenty of business that yeah. people could come in straight away and they had roles to fill. Yeah. Is, is that the business model? Is it a kind of 180, you know, where people either focus on candidates or, or business development or how, how, what's the actual uh, structure within g and yeah, so they come in as 360 consultants, but there's normally okay. a period of the first three months when they're still trying to learn the job um, is that we're giving them roles to work on straight away so they can understand the process. Right. So it's more, first three months, it's more candidate focused while they're still trying to get their heads around what recruitment actually is. As I'm sure you know, Mark, it's not a, uh, mm-hmm. a straightforward process and it does take some time getting to understand it and also to get them some success. I mean, it's harder to go from straight in cold desk trying to find clients, find candidates to then 
and get on the board. And we want them to see some success early on so they can start um, reaping rewards of what this job can actually pay financially. Because we all know that executive search, one of the upsides of it, if you get this job right, it can be very financially um, rewarding. And we want them to get a taste of that as soon as we can. So we think that the best way for them to do that on, in the short term is to maybe focus on candidate side on live roles that we've got great relationships with and have farmed them over a number of years. Um, and then once they've started to understand that, we start almost drip feeding them into more business development, start going to find your own clients and then building it from there. So that's typically um, how we structure it. All right. I love that. I think it's so smart to do it that way. And so any listeners who are running a business or managing a team of 360 uh, consultants, this is a this is a great way of getting people um, up to speed quickly and cash flow positive quickly, so they are already contributing and paying for themselves. And as you yep. say, getting a taste of success, so that they that that it that uh, is like a virtuous cycle of motivation, right? If they Absolutely. make some you know quick placements and then they get a real sense of satisfaction and, and it boosts their confidence, which then uh, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas when I first started, and I hope there's no companies out there who are still doing it this way, but it was very much, here's a desk, here's a phone, like zero recruiting experience, go and get clients. And then like, we'll teach you the next bit after that. And then, yeah. you know, it, it's a it's a lot to learn in a, like, in a, oh, and if you don't hit target in three months, then you're pretty much toast so yeah it's uh it's rough but no, um I agree. yeah what um you mentioned that the people that you brought in were fantastic and that makes all the difference again yeah a hundred percent like it's so much easier to manage people who are you know who are excellent and you are yeah. fantastic who are self-motivated yeah. smart you know ambitious want to work hard um already have those internal attributes we talked about like the tenacity yeah. resilience you know drive and 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 so on um what's your I, I understand is your model still hiring grads and training them yes that is the model yep okay so how this is the million dollar question Callum how do you identify with someone who has zero experience how do you identify the ones that are most likely to actually be good at this and and be yeah. successful that's a great question, Mark. And I think the the that's the golden answer is that we're always looking mm -hmm. for is when you're bringing in with people with no experience, you can't really relate to how good they're going to be. Now, obviously, our interview process is quite thorough in terms of what we wanted to see from them and get them to do presentations and to see how their communication skills would be if they were presenting to a client. So you can start to get little insights there, but it's nothing to do with the actual job. We're really hiring a a personality and uh, a culture fit to our business. And the culture fit to our business is that we're all nice humble people that want to be successful that is that is really what we are and what we're looking to hire and um and, and people that want to be better than than myself that want to be bigger and better than, than me and uh, if we can bring people in that have that that mindset and the um i guess the hunger to be successful then that's really all we can ask for um and we can teach them how to be recruiters i mean we we have multiple people in this business that can support them and, and aid them and, and train them into to be where they need to be to to achieve everything they tell me um throughout the interview process and um it really just does come down to if we look at them and really genuinely believe that what they're saying is is the reality because everybody can talk a great game as i'm sure you can appreciate they can say mm -hmm. you want to achieve xyz but it's um how feasible do we believe that is from the, the character of, that you portray when when speaking um, with us? And um, that's that's really how what it boils down to. And and given sometimes it comes down to giving giving these uh, guys a chance, uh, uh, trying to be successful in an industry that is um, that I've fallen in love with over the years. Obviously, hence why I'm, I'm so passionate about it as I am today. Um, and I think everybody has the opportunity in recruitment to be successful. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. 
They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. So you made a good point there, which is people at interview are going to come across well. It's a bit like a first date. You know, yeah. people are, you know, putting their best, um, their best self forward. Um so how do you really put the people through their paces and try and get under underneath a little bit to see what their character and their values really is and, yep. and, and their mindset and whether they are, have what it takes to, you know, you mentioned something I liked, which was you want people who are nice and yep. humble, but also who really have that hunger to be successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how do you evaluate that? Um, I mean, yeah, listen, that's uh, there's, there's a number of ways that we do that. I think when we speak to people, it's, it's uh, you mentioned it before, Mark, is, is really also letting them know how tough this job is because resilience and tenacity, as we touched upon before, is the number one characteristic that I, I want to see in somebody to come and join this organization. And it's really sort of relaying to them how tough the job is in the first six months and almost kind of gauging their reaction to that. Um, almost, uh, you could almost say to a point of trying to give them all the bad sides of the role um, and of, of the industry and uh, and seeing their initial reaction to that is, is one. I mean, a second one is, as I said before, um, we always ask anybody to come and join the business to, to do a presentation on what the market is, uh, what do they know about executive search, what do they know about, we might give them a, a particular market to focus on, whether it be med- medical devices, um, and get them to come in and present on that. Because what that shows shows us is um, what their research skills are like in terms of going in, digging into the market, um, in terms of the, the level of intricacies they go into within their presentation. But the biggest thing for me is how they deliver that. Um, if they come in and, and deliver that in a, in a really positive, upbeat manner, and I can almost imagine them pitching that, that to a client, um, that's a huge thing. And that's a huge buy-in sign that, again, you can't gauge it on their experiences, but you can gauge it on how they they come across in an interview and in a presentation uh, format. So um, they're some of the key things that we that we do to really try and uh, dig into that. Um, but like I said, throughout the throughout the process, we we're always asking them to do um, different feedbacks on us in terms of what what things they may have liked or maybe things that they haven't liked throughout the interview process. And also, um, we do uh, do a psychometric testing as well, which comes back in terms of what type of co- um, what type of individuals are they in terms of they more analytical thinking? Are they more of a uh, I guess more of a, an, an aggressive type when it comes to obviously cold calling personality and um, that's typically what what that that shows us. So we can kind of build a profile of um, the people that are coming in to interview us, and then we can gauge that get that against profiles that have come in and been successful previously, and then we can start to understand if we think somebody's probably going to be a good fit. We obviously everybody in the business has been psychometric tested, even myself, and you can kind mm-hmm. of get a good read of of the who has been successful within each and obviously you get a you get a blend there's, there's nothing that doesn't mean a one size fits all um you get some analytical uh, individuals that will come in and, and be great in terms of building the building uh, relationships and understanding um what niche markets to maybe focus on and they get great results in that sense and you'll get people as i mentioned before that are maybe slightly more um cutthroat and uh, and and direct with their communication and and then them guys are typically great at business development hunting down um new clients cold um, and, and really enjoy cold calling so um there's there's multiple ways to be successful within recruitment and uh, but it's just always good for us to understand um who's coming in and what type of backgrounds they have so it, it matches up and pairs well with the teams that we were to to to, to put them in mm. so interesting so you have multiple layers of assessment you have you're you're trying to put people off the rules giving them the 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 real picture all warts and all uh number two you are asking them to to prepare and deliver a presentation. Number three, you've got psychometric testing. Is there anything else that is like important in you deciding whether someone is uh, yay or nay? 
I would say they're the main ones, to be honest. And it, mm. it, it really does come down. I, I, it's hard to explain in terms of gut feeling when you assess all of what you just mentioned. Um, mm. And then you, they're sitting there across the desk from you and, and just getting a gut feeling of if you think that this person is going to really be um, add value. Because I'm not just looking to bring in people that are going to be consultants in the business. I mean, that's what they're going to come in as initially. But I want them to come and try and take take my job that's that's the plan um and if they can do that with the model that obviously we spoke about previously um then they, they have a great opportunity to be successful do you know it, i'm so glad that you mentioned that because this is a huge uh opportunity stroke mistake that i see um with business owners when they're hiring people they're not necessarily thinking about the future succession planning and being able to scale mm -hmm. and hiring people with leadership qualities and the and that um you know that drive and ambition who yep. want to uh progress and you know there's no way that you can scale a business unless you are promoting people regularly Absolutely. based on merit obviously um so so it's interesting that's something that you're Absolutely. You're actually paying attention. I think to. it's pivotal to to growth. I mean, you, to to grow a business, you need people with leadership skills to come through because uh, to have any business that's going to grow, you need managers to be developing through from consultants and and then them growing teams, and then that's how you're going to mm. spin um, spin out and have quicker level of growth as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, that's pivotal in my opinion. Mm. Okay, no, I, this is a I could talk about this topic for forever. We actually it's a recurring topic in our. Apex program, which is for owners who want to scale their business, date figures and beyond. And my colleague Leanne actually has presented a whole session on this. Leanne's background was rec to rec. So she had her own rec to rec business and it was focused on the grad market. So grad, a lot of the people she was placing were grads or is there maybe their second job, but their first recruitment job. Yeah. And she's placed 700 uh, well, recruiters in, in her career. So she's done a whole session for our uh, clients on how to, you know, identify people who on paper, like she was really good at seeing someone's resume and being yeah. able to think this person has, there was clues she was looking for to think this is the person that, you know, could be really good at recruiting. Yeah. And a lot of the people who she ultimately placed who've gone on to be successful and are now managers, directors and, and business owners themselves, they had never considered recruiting actually before she okay. approached them. So she actually pitched the idea to them from like completely cold uh, and turned a lot of people on to recruiting. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting topic with a lot of dimensions, but absolutely moving on then to look at, um, you then had this opportunity, this opportunity arose, I guess, six or, you know, six and a half years into your career where there was an opening because one of the, because the managing director spun off to another company, what gave you the confidence to say, to put your hand up and say, I want that? I, I don't really know at the time thinking back, Mark. I think it just, I, I've always been an uh, individual that uh, I'm, I'm confident and I always uh, the mentality, if, if, if I don't believe in myself, who's going to believe in, in, in me? And, um, and it was an opportunity that I just felt that with the management skill and exposure that I'd had so far, it had gone pretty well at that point. And, um, and it, the business was still a small team at, uh, at that moment in time. And I just felt that where the business was at and where I was at in terms of my development, I, I knew enough about the company. I knew enough about re recruitment and I look back at my experiences as a manager and, and it had gone pretty well. So uh, I just thought mm. at that point that, um, listen, take the plunge, take the plunge, put your hand up and, and, and go for it. And listen, if it doesn't come around this time, then um, then I'm sure there'll be another time. And, um, and like I said about before, I mean, um, Remember sitting down with with, with Richard uh, Richard Goodall and, and Terry Ellis. By the way, I mean Richard Goodall will be a great person for you to to speak with, Mark. I mean uh, he has uh, been fantastic um, for me as a mentor, but also in terms of uh, he he runs and uh, around ten to twelve recruitment companies across his groups and uh, uh, is is a great guy. But um, yeah, he sat down awesome. and, I, and I know Richard. I, I know of Richard, but I don't know him personally. So thanks for the uh, no the, problem, the referral. no problem. And uh, yeah, and he and he gave me the opportunity and he said, listen, what you've done so far in terms of the management as as I was reassuring myself he said it's been fantastic and you think he, I think you can you can do this and um yeah and, and the rest was history I I really admire that Calum it's so different to me because 
I I'm I'm turning 50 uh, next month. Yeah. And I'm only now scaling my business and uh, I was definitely not a natural manager. I was I'm I'm the sort of person that's very self-sufficient. Yeah. I enjoy my own company. I I you know, I, I like being responsible for myself mm-hmm. and I think it's only been through maturity over time yeah. that I've kind of grown into. It's a bit like you know, becoming a parent. I now have teenagers and I, you know, at the beginning when I was having, you know, my first child, yeah. I couldn't imagine being a, like ha- being a parent to teenagers, but you kind of grow into it. And I think that's what I've done is over time I've, yeah. I've grown into, you know, being a leader, but yeah. um, it sounds like from early on, you, you, you just knew that's what you, what you wanted to do. And I think it comes down to, I mean, even it, maybe not a direct correlation of it, but even throughout my um, childhood and in, 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 uh, I'm a big sporty guy myself and in every sport I've played, I've always been a captain and, and led, led teams. And um, so it was kind mm-hmm. of a, a natural uh, progression, I think to me when it came into my um, sort of per- career um, to, to head down that same path. And um, I like being uh, leading from leading from the front, leading by example. And, um, and yeah, and that's why I want, I was quite keen to, to put my hand up and uh, and uh, thankfully I, I was given the opportunity that's amazing you know i i think recruiters need to hear this because um they may not realize that that, that those opportunities are available and you yeah. just need to grasp them because yeah. the reality is and not all business owners are good at communicating what the opportunity for yeah. progression is and and we teach our clients that you should have a, a, a very clear yeah. uh, career path yeah. for people. So they see the opportunity, they understand what are the levels and Absolutely. what are the, what's the criteria for promotion? What do I need to do in terms of billings and what other, you know, um, things do I need to demonstrate in order to be eligible to be promoted yeah. and for them to really see that laid out because otherwise People don't know necessarily even that that is a possibility. Absolutely. Whereas the reality is, business owners want to grow, they want to scale. Yeah. Um, but unless you spell it out to people, they don't necessarily. They're not necessarily going to do what you did and and put their hand up and say, "Look, I want." What's the next level and how do I get there? Yeah. So and I'm not sure um, if you've seen on our website exactly that, Mark. Um, on our website, I we haven't. have a we have a career pathway where it shows you how yeah. to go from graduate consultant to managing director and partner. Um, and that, that, that pathway is so clear for exactly the reason you mentioned. I mean, if that doesn't motivate people and understanding what you have to do um, to get to the next step and um, within each of those different sections and those job titles of promotions, there's a, there's a checklist of what you have to achieve before you can have your review and say, listen, I've done all of this. I'm ready to move to the next stage. And um, and it's just black and white for everybody. And it's just how bad and how quickly do you want to achieve that now? Is this back over to them to um, to then perform to that level to, to achieve all of the above? Amazing. Just one more question on this idea of um, hiring grads who are hungry and want to progress. Yeah. Um, and then I want to ask about the, let's call it chapter two, being the managing director and then yeah. growing it quite significantly and then where things go from here we'll call it chapter three um so there's this uh conversation in our industry about you know young people coming into the business and they're like i'm i'm gen x sorry yeah. i'm i'm uh yeah i'm i'm a gen x and you know a lot of owners and directors my age tell me, oh, you know, younger people, they don't want to work hard. You know, they're not motivated by the same things we are. Um, I don't know how to manage these, you know, these folks. Um, And I don't think, I I think that's unfair because I can see um, some fantastic young people coming into our industry. But what's your take on this question? And and how do you think, you know, the industry has evolved in, in order to get the best out of people. How do leaders need to be approaching this? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's unfair, as you mentioned, to tarnish everybody with the same brush. I mean, there are some fantastic, uh, young, inspirational almost, even at a young age, individuals that are coming through that, that have that clear desire of where they want to go. And I think it kind of leads back onto what we were mentioning before, Mark, and saying about what the leaders have to do to get the best out of them. I think it's complete transparency, um, complete transparency of, of where they can go, how they can achieve it um, and, and and really having it in black and white in front of them to say 
if that's really what you want, there's your pathway to go and achieve it and, and giving them all the necessary, necessary support and tools to be able to go and do that. So uh, my, my honest and uh, maybe short answer to that is just complete tra- transparency of, of where they want to go and uh, trying to do anything you can to set them a clear pathway to achieve whatever that goal may be. Because um, not for everybody, that not everybody wants to be a, a business owner, not everybody wants to do that. And that's absolutely fine. Um, we have people within this business that don't necessarily want to be a business owner, but are quite happy to be a top performer running and managing teams within this business. And, and that's fantastic. Um, not everybody has to go and uh, be a business leader. So but we can set up a, a pathway to them to get to that point. And, um, and everybody will have a slightly different end goal. And, and, and uh, it's making sure we can be tailored to making sure everybody can achieve what they want to achieve and, and setting out a really clear path for, for them. Is there, is there anything else, Callum, apart from transparency that you guys are consciously doing in order to really create employee engagement and, um, and retention that, um, you know, caps, t- taps into, as you said, people are motivated by different things. So how do yeah. you tap into that and make sure everyone's engaged, even if they're different personalities with different goals? I mean, incentives is a, is a huge one. I mean, um, I mean, we run a number of incentives um, across the across the business, and um, those incentives are uh, uh, things everybody would like to be a part of. We've done um, skiing incentives where we would go skiing for five days, all expenses paid for, um, well, the trip over, all the ski hire, the ski lifts, and everybody gets involved with that. We've done trips to um, um, we did a trip to LA for, for five days. We've got a trip starting two weeks time to to Las Vegas. Vegas for for five days, and um, we, we we put these incentives in place because they're. You have to remember these guys are graduates coming straight in and um, have been, haven't been coming out of university for some of them for two, two years. And everyone knows what it's like at university, that money can be tight and having the opportunity to, to fly over um, to, to Vegas, to fly over to L.A., to go skiing on an uh, amazing ski in, in a chalet. Um, these guys typically don't have the access to do that. But the reason why we do that is to um, obviously it's incentives that they have to hit with revenue numbers, but um, it's to give them the, uh, the I guess, the exposure to understand what they could do and what they can achieve and they could do all these trips out of their own pocket um, if they continue to keep doing the, the right things and it's more just opening their eyes up to, to what's actually uh, achievable from a financial perspective if you are successful within um, the executive search space so incentives transparency um and I guess some more in-house um, incentives that we run as a, as a benefit to uh, employees that, again, uh, we, we're big big on trying to get people onto the property ladder. Um, so we um, have, have partnered with a, a brokering firm that help people um, get onto the property ladder, and we pay for all of our consultants' broker, broker fees. Um, we, we pay for them from the business because we want to encourage them to the money that, that is made from executive search to, to get on the property ladder as, a, as an investment. And um, so we, we, we offer that to all employees as well so just little things i guess mark well, that's cool i've not heard, come across that before that's quite original i like it this episode is brought to you by recruitment entrepreneur if you've dreamed of starting your own business or if you've already got a successful firm and you want to grow more rapidly then pay close attention recruitment entrepreneur are the number one investors in recruitment startups and scale-ups globally They provide everything you need to grow your business, including the funding and financial expertise, operational strategy and back office support, and marketing and talent attraction solutions. Led by James Kahn, they've already invested in 45 businesses and you could be their next joint venture partner. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them you were referred by Mark Whitby and the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. Okay, well, let's talk then about the next phase, which so you, you took over the business, there was eight of you and it was doing around a million dollars, yeah. uh, 80,000 80, some US dollars per month. Yeah. How did you take it from there to getting to the point now? I think you told me it's 
770,000 a month or something? Yeah. So just a slight correction on that. So um, from when I took over in, uh, I think it was around 20, 2019 or 20, 2019 July, um, I took over as, as managing director and then um, needed to make some changes, I think was the um, was the first thing I wanted to do. I, I really wanted to open up our horizon of more markets to, to venture into. Um, we had the core markets of commercial construction, um, logistics and civil engineering but that was they were our uh, main real focus areas but i felt that there was a lot more that we could be tapping into and um, that was one of the first things i wanted to do i wanted to really um, open up our horizons when it came to markets that we could offer to, to clients and um, did a lot of research into that in a lot of uh, late nights and um, weekends spending in uh, doing research into some of the market leaders what were they doing what areas were they what job roles were they were they focusing on and um from there, really pushed out to medical devices, um, energy renewables, and the big one, which obviously took over in July uh, 2019, and COVID hit in March of 2020. Um, and you could call it fortunate, Mark. You could call it a, a stroke of genius. Depends how you want to how you want to put it. <laughs> but um, I would say more fortunate, to be honest with you, because no one really knew what was going to happen with COVID. But um, we decided to start our pharmaceutical biotech market in the November, so four months after I took over as managing director, um, and uh, we were starting to find our feet. We're starting to have some initial in, in interaction with some clients within that space, and then. Um, a lot of companies struggled with COVID. I mean, a lot of recruitment companies, and and I understand how. But for us, it was honestly a game changer for for where we went from um, from there. Because the biggest hurdle that we we were, um, as I'm sure a lot of executive search firms come, uh, come across, is um, relocation. It's one of the obstacles, right? You can have a perfect candidate, but um, they're based in San Francisco. This needs to be based in New York, and um, unfortunately, they can't move. Now, when COVID came and the remote work working um, situation became uh, acceptable for every business. Um, that the, one of the big obstacles that we had was then was then taken away, and um, so we could we found our feet very quickly and had a, a flurry of uh, of a big uh, level executive placements with some reputable firms as well as a smaller biotech startup biotechs, and that really was a game changer, I would say, for for us in terms of our growth because um, we we got uh, very close with some big accounts in the pharmaceutical industry very quickly. Um, we met a couple of them um, in, down at down at Heathrow Airport when they were when they were passing through um, just start sort of at the end of the first bout of COVID. And that just further in uh, grew our um, level of relationship we had with them. And, um, and they were going through expansion after COVID. They had obviously kept the the purse strings quite tight during that period and when the COVID was starting to wear off that initial one anyway um, they were looking to hire quite aggressively and that fed perfectly into us and our growth and as the model I uh, mentioned with you earlier um, at this point we had four strong pharmaceutical uh, accounts um, that were looking to hire quite aggressively in terms of executive level placements um, so I was able to hire people in to work on those whilst um, myself and uh, a couple of others uh, the more uh, experienced guys went out and f tried to um, find new business and um, and that was a, a pivotal point really in, in that growth because um, that allowed us to obviously the the, the, gener the cash generation and revenue generation from those um, them accounts was allowed me to also hire and grow out other sectors as the medical device team, the energy renewable team, etc. So um, the life science uh, that that period of six to nine months uh, from from March of 2020 to uh, January of 21 that was a was a huge opportunity for us um, and a, a huge surge of, of revenue um, that we was then able to spend to grow other teams, which then obviously naturally had a, a positive effect as well. Fantastic. This is really interesting, Cal. It sounds like a lot of the growth of the business is based on your success at winning uh, accounts. Yeah. And which, which makes total sense, right? If you want to grow, you need to create more demand than you can fulfill. And then that gives you the Absolutely. cash and the confidence to expand the team. Yeah. So could could we just segue a little bit? I yeah, want to talk about the scaling process and also the way that you spin off other businesses is really interesting. But why do you think as an uh, you personally been, and as a business, you've been so successful at uh, going into markets and then winning you know, those big accounts. 
I think it's the way that we work. We're very different. Um, the, the way that the way that we operate um, with a number of these clients, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, as I mentioned before. I mean, um, in that market, uh, we 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 tend to feel that the the, the rates that people are also um, charging, the way that they structure their fees, the way they go into market and find candidates are, are very different. We operate from a talent management perspective. Um, now, talent management perspective essentially means that um, rather than just speaking to clients, getting a, a vacancy or a need, and then going to find candidates that relate to that we speak to candidates we do we, we want we want to be working with the top one percent of candidates in the space so i'll approach a candidate on linkedin that i believe is in the top one percent of whichever function or area they may be within um, and just have a, a networking conversation understand where they are um how, how talk about a bit about their career and also what the end game is as similar to when people come and join our business and i want to know what their end game is it's the same when i speak to candidates in the market that what's the end game for you where do you want to go from here you're currently a i don't know a vp or svp where what's what c-suite uh, function do you want to go down in the long run and and what have you got to learn from your either the role you're in now or your next opportunity in in terms of learning growth stretch and challenge really um to get to that point and and sometimes they say, listen, in this role where I am right now, this is probably as far as I can go, but I love the company. I've been here for 15 years and I've had a great trajectory here. However, if I want to get to CEO, for example, I'm going to need to learn X, Y, Z before I can get there. And I'm not going to learn that here. So um, I'm happy where I am. But when you get this perfect opportunity, um, then please reach out to me. And, and we continue to keep touching base with those guys and it's not necessarily a quick win sometimes it can be two or three years later from when i first spoke to a candidate that then that perfect opportunity comes up i tap back in and straight away the candidate buy-in that i'm receiving from that is 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 first class because they think he remembers everything from three years ago and um and straight away understood this is a perfect fit for me everything that we spoke about this is exactly what i need to get to where i want to be potentially even after this role um so we're always looking almost two roles ahead from where they are right now um and and that means when we go into the market with these candidates, um, we've got first not only first in class, but we've also got candidates that are, are motivated, ready to move, and are a glove fit for those organisations. So it allows us to to have a not only a, a, a warm open door feel, but um, an opportunity where somebody can add genuine value to them um, from 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 the get go. Okay, awesome. So I'm I'm really glad you explained that, and. This highlights one of the advantages of a 360 model. On previous podcasts, I've had guests talking about the disadvantages and why they've restructured. They've gone to like 180 or 120. Yeah, I was watching one of that. the Yeah, one of the... Um, it's interesting. Like, there's not one right way of doing there's this, not, right? But there's not. The advantage of 360 is you have someone who is building those candidate relationships yeah. and they can develop into client relationships, but also they know the client base and they can make those... Yeah. kind of connections and of course you could do that as a team yeah but i think it's easier yeah if you're the one to building those relationships and making the introductions to clients as well absolutely um, so do you find so first of all you're nurturing relationships with the top talent in your niche yeah um which may not lead immediately to a placement but yeah. are still valuable connections absolutely um and um, and by doing that as well, I, Mark, sorry to jump in there, mm -hmm. by doing that as well, it, that's also, these guys are, we're obviously speaking with top level executives and they are hiring managers in their own right. Um, so right. It also by building that relationship and constant touch and base uh, with these guys, just initially as candidates, um, you'd be surprised how many times then all of a sudden they turn into a client when they say, actually, come until the opportunity put, comes up. I'm trying to look for this in my team. And all of a sudden, that candidate that wasn't wasn't a client and, and BD focused, all of a sudden does become exactly that. Um, and it's all about turning candidates into clients as well, which this model um, does more often than not. Right, let's let's just uh, double click on that. Because by the way, this is super old school. And if you uh, listeners go to my website, by the way, Calm, I've got a brand new website. I'd love you to check it out and give you your feedback. Definitely. Um, so if you go to recruitmentcoach.com and then look for resources, uh, there's an ebook and it's, it's old. Like I've, I've had this ebook for maybe, I don't know, I'm going to say eight or nine years. It's okay. called seven ways to get new clients fast. Yeah. Um, but the number one of those seven is, uh, the best way to get clients is through recruiting Yeah. and turning candidates into clients Yeah. because it's so much of an easier conversation. It's, Absolutely. People are more responsive. 
you know, they're naturally curious to learn about mm-hmm. well, what kinds of opportunities could you, you know, present to me? Yep. And so it's so much easier to spark conversations with someone when you approach them about their own career development rather than pitching them uh, your service. Absolutely. <clears throat> but I'd be curious about how you do that. Like, do you broach that on the very first conversation or do you leave it and wait for it to come up more nat- you know, more organically? How- What's your kind of uh, Yeah, not, not on the first conversation. First conversation, I'm just really just trying to get to know these guys. And it's just uh, having a conversation of, as I mentioned before, understanding where they are, learn a bit about their career. Just, again, just trying to actually know them as a person. What are they into? It's a very... It, informal conversation about their journey and where they are and sort of probing them a bit more about where they're looking to go, as I mentioned uh, uh, prior. Um, But then, as I said, it's not just one conversation, then we'll speak to you in two years when the opportunity comes up. It's regular touching bases with these guys. Hmm. And uh, I'd say every three, four weeks we touch base. And again, it could be a five, 10 minute conversation. It doesn't need to be a 45 minute war and peace type conversation. It can be hmm. um, very short, just checking in. How are things? I'm just giving you an update. Nothing quite yet. Or even if you think something's close to what they may be looking for, you could even say, listen, I've got this opportunity X, X Y, Z. I don't think it's quite right for this reason from what you mentioned to me previously. What are your thoughts? And they may agree saying it's not quite the, um, the right fit and that's absolutely fine but it keeps touching base and builds my credibility and our credibility of, of of what we've got on our desk and what we're working on and and also con- constantly reassuring them that I understand it's not quite perfectly aligned to what they're looking for to make them realize that I'm, I'm the guy for them to come to when they when they are ready to go because I know exactly what they're looking for um and then that's really when it comes to maybe the second or third conversation of like, how's things where you are at the moment? Are you, what, any developments within your organization? Anything moving forward? Any development there? And if so, is there anything potentially that you're looking for in, in your team? And if you are looking, then don't hesitate to, to, to let me know and kind of just dropping it in there rather than being quite forthcoming with it. So um, that's typically how I would uh, approach it, Mark. So it's really interesting. How do you organize yourself to have those regular touch points and nurturing conversations with those top candidates. Yeah. So for our CRM system that we use, we have a alert system that can um, we can put a timer on it on a particular profile that will send us an alert via email to say it's been three weeks since you last made contact with this person. Would you like to make to make contact? And if we if we say yes, then it puts it straight into our diary um, for us to, to to make a call to them. So um, the alert system to, to having that on our um, on our system is, is fantastic and it's been a, a great help for us. And um, I think that for us, that's probably been a, a bit of a game changer. I would say, uh, and being able to, because um, it's quite difficult, right? If you put it into the CRM system and you have to make sure it's been three weeks, four weeks and managing that yourself, but having that, it just makes it um, easier for everybody. And like I said, you get the alert pop up on your laptop or your computer or whichever device you're using and it just makes it a lot totally. easier. Totally. Makes sense. What CRM is it that you guys are using? We're using, uh, the CRM system is Bullhorn. Okay. Do you know Bullhorn, mm-hmm. Mark? And, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, and is the timer thing uh native or is that an uh, an extra tool that plugs into bullhorn it's an extra addition i mean but previously we had it and it that wasn't an add-on um which was it was useful uh, it kind of came through linkedin more so kind of with linkedin more so it did with bullhorn and probably in the last 18 months or so i'd say it's probably been now that it's connected with um with bullhorn and, and just made it a, a lot easier for us um to, ch- to chase things down as i said so uh yeah you know it's been great what's the name of the the, the tool that enables you to, that reminds you and prompts you to uh, reconnect with people. Yeah. So we have Source Whale. Um, so Source oh, Whale yeah. is, is kind of that allows us to connect through um, Bullhorn and, and, and give us a nudge as and when we need it. Got it. Yeah. I, to- I know Source Whale. A lot of our clients are, are, are using that. Yeah. Um, no, it's brilliant. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, so ha- in terms of just the logistics of this, how many, is there a certain number of, contacts that you want to be like in that um target list of people that you're nurturing on a regular basis um i wouldn't say there's a a direct number i mean there's never enough right i mean there's Mm. never enough top quality candidates that we can be connecting with and 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 taking on our representation here at gne partners so um i wouldn't say there's a, a, a direct number i mean everybody will have um we're KPA, KPI driven in terms of the the numbers of people that we want people to be connecting with and uh, touching base with, the same as with clients as well. But um, no, I wouldn't say there's there's one generic number mark that I could pull out and uh, give you now in terms of that we want to be speaking to. But um, you can probably imagine the more we can have in the hopper, the the better. Hundred percent. Look, 
I, there's so many directions we could go here. The KPIs <laughs> is one, but um, I, I'm going to be strict with myself and because I really want to hear about how, these spinoff companies and how yeah. you've created this opportunity within your firm for yeah. people to become business owners themselves. Could you talk a little bit uh, about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, the the model that, uh, again, Richard, uh, Terry and I sat down and we wanted to give everybody the opportunity to um to, to have their own entity. Um, and, and that's really, as you mentioned before, that's a, a huge incentive for anybody that um, comes into recruitment that is entrepreneurial sales mindset, that they could have their own organization and grow their own team. So um, that was the, the first thing. And we really wanted to grow the business to a point where the company was prof- not only profitable enough, and as I mentioned before, we grew it from eight people to, to thir- 31, I think it actually was um, at the end. And um, we went from 80,000 a month to 775,000 a month um, in the space of, I think it was around 18 months to two years. It was a huge um, level of growth, nearly t- uh, 10x in our uh, monthly revenues. Um, and that really come from all of what I mentioned before. But then it was giving our top performers the opportunity. And we sat down with them and similar to the career pathway thing you mentioned before, Mark, was saying, Listen, is, is this what you want to do? Do you want to go off and have your own entity and, and giving them a target to what they had to achieve within the teams that they were running? Now, um, the two managing directors of AGS and Baybridge um, were running large teams within that within that uh, business of 30. So um, really set them a revenue target, a contribution target within um, within their teams and they both achieved them. Um, and and uh, and listen, Alex and Arthur, who are the MDs of those organizations were fantastic, um, really knowledgeable guys in terms of the areas that they focused in. And, and again, it comes down to the tenacity and the hunger to to want to be successful and um like i said we set them up um had given the opportunity to go and they achieved the targets and uh, in uh, january 22 um Arthur set up AGS Associates um, and uh, Alex Ellis set up uh, Baybridge Executive Search. And um, both of them have gone on to have uh, really successful first years. Um, uh, both businesses have, have, have grown significantly on, on headcount and also in revenue, which is which is brilliant. And, and again, I've had a good start to 2023 as well. So I've been really successful and and that's really the model that we want to continue to grow. And now GE Partners, because both of them guys took a number of their teams, we're in a, a regrowth uh, a situation again, which is something that uh, I enjoy doing. But uh, as you can imagine, it's always tough to to get through when you've got that small team to get to get back up past that that twenty number, and um, and that's really where we're at at the moment. But it's been a, a good start to the year so far. But again, a lot of work still to do, Mark. Wow, it's so interesting. I I can see this being a real double edged sword. On the one hand, you've solved the number, I don't know if it's number one, but a critical challenge that uh, business owners face is you've got, when you've got really talented, ambitious and successful people that you've developed, there's always that risk that they go off and set up on their own, right? And so you've almost accounted for that and said, well, look, let's actually help people to do that. And that way we're supporting them. They've got the best of both worlds. They are getting to run their own entity, but at the same time, we're partnering with them together. So we both benefit and we're not losing, like they're not setting up in competition to us, but we're actually working collaboratively. So I see that being a huge benefit. On the flip side, you've just described a situation where someone leaves and they take, you know, their team with them and then the the GE partners has then contracted and then you have to yep. like you work super hard to scale things back up again yep. um that sounds tough how have you <laughs> how have you managed that yeah. uh, side of the no, absolutely. It's equation. tough. And uh, like I said, obviously, with Arthur and Alex being uh, so influential as they were to get to uh, GE Partners to um, the position that it was in, losing both of those guys, and, and rightly so, um, it, it's, it's tough. Um, but listen, it's one of the elements of the job that that I love and bringing in, um, again, youthful guys that are, are hungry and wanting to succeed and, and really now hoping they're the next guys that can go in whenever we're ready to go. Maybe that'd be two, three years' time. I'm not sure on the timescales, but um, we'll know when it's right but we'll, we're now pushing um, pushing them now i think we were left with around eight people um when when them guys when them guys left and um we're now up to 14 so we added uh six across last year and um we've got a couple lined up for um july and a couple lined up for september so um yeah i'm hoping by the end of the year we should be around the 18 uh, 18 19 number if everything goes well and um 
then we, we we kick on and we and we grow from there. But even when you get to that number, it's about consolidating uh, and making sure. Obviously, we haven't started up from the ground up like so many many other startups have. So um, we've obviously had the foundation, my account, some of the other guys that have have stayed here. I mentioned uh, uh, Ben Hoffman, who's been uh, fantastic for us, and he's uh, still still on board and uh, again is looking to can kick on and um, he's, his accounts are still within the business. So we're not starting from a standing start. We've we were almost jogging. Um, but um, but no, listen, there's still a, a long way to go. And uh, but we've had a really good start to the year. So it's uh, we're excited to see what comes now. Uh, we're already in Q2, which is uh, which is crazy. Absolutely. What speaking of the market, how are you finding things? Because I um, it seems very um, it's a it's a strange market. Right. And it's sort of confusing. You're getting all kinds of mixed uh, signals, you know, some sectors seem to be doing extremely well. Other yeah. sectors seem to be, um, you know, you've got headcount freezes and, and redundancies happening. Um, what are you seeing in your core uh, markets? I think, listen, there's, there's a lot of noise around, isn't there, about the markets and people struggling. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I understand that. But I think if you've got the core base of the, the clients and the accounts that we spoke about throughout this podcast, really, it's... I don't think the struggles of, for us so far anyway haven't really impacted us. Um, I think the market, uh, all markets are different. I mean, there's talk about other markets maybe slightly taking a downturn, other markets slightly starting to pick up. So I think it all kind of balances itself out. And it's one of the reasons why um, we do the markets that we do, because um, all of the markets that we mentioned before um, are relatively solid markets in terms of their movement. You don't get any big drop-offs like you would if in oil and gas, for example, when things can really peak and trough quite dramatically. Um, all of these markets markets, infrastructure, for example, there's always, especially in the US, I mean, the US infrastructure is, is is way behind where it should be. And there's always money being pumped into that. And no matter if there's a recession or uh, or, or COVID, that, that, that's still, there's still new tunnels and bridges and train lines that need to be built um, to improve the um, transportation over there. So, um, all the markets that we're in anyway haven't really taken a big hit and uh hopefully that continues uh, mark but um yeah i wouldn't say so far we've uh, um we've had any wobbles as such got it well that's good to hear but do you know what i suspect this is a case of you're creating your own uh reality because uh i've spoken to people in some of those markets like pharmaceutical you know biotech that sort of thing who in their worlds, they are seeing a downturn. Yep. So I do think to some extent, like there's always opportunity in every market. Absolute. And it's, so it depends, like if, if you imagine in your, you're sitting in your house and on one side, this can easily happen in Scotland. I don't know about yeah. where you are, but their sun is shining if I look out that window. And if I look at a different window, I can see, you know, clouds and it's, it's rain yeah. start, you know, the rain clouds are coming in. So depending on which, part of the you know which part of your market you're looking at and what you're focused yeah. on you you may see a different reality but absolutely um, absolutely and i think that's completely that and and again i'm not by any means saying that there's there's not uh, been troubles in other markets i under, completely understand that there is but it's like you say you have to just try and uh, identify the right opportunities and the right clients and the right accounts at the right time um and sometimes you can you can weather the weather the storm with, with that. As like I said with you with COVID, um, before we landed on some great accounts which um, were really beneficial to us through that time. But I'm also aware that many um, recruitment companies didn't um, land on that, and, uh, and maybe uh, that was a tough time for them. Um, Callum, just before we go, could you speak briefly about you mentioned that uh, recruiting has given you an opportunity to, you know, become an investor and the impact it's had on, on your life. Um, yeah. cause I, and I, I know that you're so passionate about this industry. Could you say yeah. a little on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, completely changed my life really from from where I was coming out of university to where I am now. But not even just just my life. I mean, had a huge impact on on my family's um, life as well, and what I've been able to do uh, for my family, but also what I've been able to do for for, for me personally. I mean, I'm really um, keen on property. Uh, I've managed to uh, build a, a, a property portfolio over the, over the years through um, what this opportunity and what this business and this industry has, has given me. And I just think it's if you're the right minded person with the, the the headspace to to be successful, then the the financial um, gains and uh, that you can make within this industry are, are huge. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm super passionate about this in, uh, this industry. You probably gauge that from um, this this conversation. But I just think if you're if they're the right mentality individual, then there's no better place to um, to to grow something and grow for, grow it for yourself. 
Fantastic. So Callum, like if there's anyone listening who likes the sound of what Callum has described, then feel free to reach out to him. Um, it's uh, Callum Collins on LinkedIn. Uh, what's the website address, Callum? Uh, it's ge-partners.co.uk. Great. Okay. Fantastic. This has been awesome. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And, Thank you very uh, much for having me. Yeah. Uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Perfect. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate your time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I certainly did. What a fantastic guest, Callum Collins. What were your takeaways from that conversation? I'll tell you my three golden nuggets. Number one is that business development is the driver of growth. Callum explained how the uh, critical success factor behind their rapid growth was really based on opening accounts with repeat business potential, creating that demand, which then made it uh, easy to scale the company because they had plenty of vacancies and roles to work on. So that was number one. Number two was he shared his most effective business development strategy was actually building relationships with candidates first and foremost and nurturing those relationships and turning those candidates into clients. So that was super interesting how there's a real strategy and thought process behind that. That sounds super effective. And number three, in terms of scaling a business is hiring people who are ambitious and have leadership qualities. Even if they're a graduate or a trainee, we're looking for people who have the right qualities and then giving them, showing them the career path, showing them how they can get from trainee to managing director. And, you know, if you want to scale, you have to have the right people on board and then you have to create those opportunities for them to progress. So super interesting. Hope you found that valuable. Please reach out to me. Let me know what were your key takeaways. Let me know via email, via LinkedIn. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to subscribe, follow us on Apple or wherever you're listening to podcasts. And please do leave us a review. That helps us to reach more people and lets us know that you're enjoying the content that we're putting out for you here. Make it a great day and thanks for listening. <laughs>